0: The following program contains mature subject matter. Viewer discretion is advised. It's a doctor's exclusive investigation into the counterfeit opioid crisis. If you're not scared, I can tell you I am. Follow us as we head to ground zero to face the epidemic head
1: on.
2: You have bodies stacked floor to field. This
1: is a mass fatality event. The
2: cause is. This is where the counterfeit pain pills are coming across our borders from Mexico. The carnage. It destroys
3: families. It destroys kids, everyone.
0: And the danger it poses to you.
3: This would wipe out half a million people. It's frightening.
0: That's today.
4: We're in the midst of the deadliest drug crisis in American history, and the culprit is opioids. As many as 65,000 people died of a drug overdose in 2016, that's more than American casualties seen in the Vietnam War. But the statistics don't tell the whole story, so we canvass the nation looking for some answers. In our series, The United States of Addiction, Dr. Nita and Judge Mary Shanowski went to ground zero of the drug crisis in Dayton, Ohio, while our producer Leslie investigated how these deadly drugs are coming through our borders. We know pharmaceutical opioid abuse can be deadly, but there's something even deadlier flooding our streets, that's black market fentanyl. 30 to 50 times stronger than heroin! And our producer Leslie investigated how it's being used in counterfeit pain pills that may appear completely harmless.
3: In Los Angeles, and heading to San Diego where the San Isidro Port of Entry lives. It's the largest port in the nation. And the DEA says this is where the fentanyl and counterfeit pain pills are coming across our borders from Mexico. We're at the undisclosed location right now, about to meet Special Agent Amy Roderick. Agent Amy asked us not to have our cameras rolling while following her to the location, so we're going to go dark right now. Put in perspective to me, this new trend you're seeing, which is fentanyl. and Why it's so much more dangerous?
5: Fentanyl is so dangerous because it's 30 to 50 times stronger than heroin. A kilogram of fentanyl here in San Diego, which is the cheapest in the United States, would go anywhere from 31 to $35,000. Once you take that same kilo and you sell it in somewhere like Boston, Massachusetts, the price jacks up to double that. Tell me how the fentanyl is being dispersed throughout this entire country. So the Mexican cartels are sending the fentanyl up through the traditional smuggling routes right here in San Isidro and Otay Mesa. They can send it up in vehicles, they can send it across with people, they could put it in people's luggage. So there's no real limit to the ways they can get their drugs across here in San Diego. And then from there they go everywhere in the United States. If you were a cartel down in Mexico and you had an industrial pill press, the pill press will create thousands of pills per hour. You can illegally buy these on the internet to make these look as real as possible, to trick people into taking these fraudulent prescription pills containing fentanyl.
3: Can you explain to me how much harder it is to manufacture heroin
5: versus fentanyl and why that's also fueling this crisis if you are a Mexican drug cartel interested in profit only you're harvesting poppies from seed to harvest that's obviously a very long wait not only that you need the manpower to go and harvest the paste from the poppy bring it to a lab and manufacture that into heroin if you are buying precursor chemicals from China you can basically have a couple of buckets mix and you have fentanyl and you ship that right across no harvest there's no manpower obviously a lot better financially. There are small time labs that can purchase chemicals directly from China over the internet or the dark net, and then they can manufacture the fentanyl or make fraudulent prescription pills containing fentanyl. And there's no way to regulate that. It's just someone who has no chemical background with some blenders.
3: What kind of counterfeit pain pills are you finding the fentanyl in?
5: Oxycodone, Norcos, but we've also seen it in drugs such as Xanax, which is not an opioid. Pill shopping for any kind of drug on the street is like playing Russian roulette. So what I want to do right now, Leslie, is take you into our DEA lab to show you how powerful and deadly this fentanyl really is.
6: Before we get started, I want you to get suited up. Just two milligrams is is considered a lethal dosage of fentanyl. Really hard to actually see.
3: Just this amount amount can kill a human being.
6: Is enough to kill a human being. To kind of put it in context, a packet of sweetener contains about one gram of material. If you had fentanyl of one gram amount, that would be 500 lethal dosages. When I'm actually handling fentanyl, I have to protect myself. So I have Narcan just in case I might come across exposure.
3: What he's going to show us is 20 kilograms of what was thought to be cocaine. It actually is laced with fentanyl. Wow. How many counterfeit pain pills could this create?
6: 50,000 pills, wholesaling for around $30,000. If you tablet it out, you're looking at multi-million dollars. You can imagine if someone actually did a line of cocaine, which might be like 10 milligrams, and snorted it, they'd be dead before they got to the other end of the line.
3: The amount could take out 2 million people. 2 million people. Everything you see right here, they look just like the real thing. More than 20,000 oxycodones, which are the most popular pain pills on the streets. The one on the left is a real oxycodone and the one on the right is a fake one.
6: These tablets are of really good quality and even to a trained analyst, I can't tell the difference. If each one contains some fentanyl, then potentially 10,000 tablets could be thousands of lethal dosages.
4: If you're not scared, I can tell you I am. Our producer, Leslie Marcus, joins us now along with Judge Mary and addiction expert Bob Forrest is joining us in the audience. Thank you so very much. I I wanna applaud you for that expose until you see it. It's, it's not as scary. Mm-hmm. I never knew how bad it was. Were you surprised by it? I was absolutely surprised. It was, it was
3: shocking to me to see that with my own eyes, to see how similar those pills look. A kid could get that at a party, take it, and overdose from one small pill.
4: Now obviously, we're not proponents of using illegal drugs, period. Right. But this is why people are dying, right? Because it seems like people, when you're on the street, people aren't getting what they think they're getting.
3: Right. No, they're not. And something that wasn't touched on the tape is carfentanil, and the DEA is very concerned with this. It's a cousin of fentanyl, but it's not for humans at all. It's actually an elephant tranquilizer. And carfentanil is 10,000 times stronger than morphine.
4: So what, what, what do you have there?
3: I just wanna show how carfentanil is contributing to a lot of these overdose yes. deaths across the country. It's, it's another trend we're seeing. It actually, a dose could be so small, could be shipped in the mail on the back of a postage stamp. And to show you how deadly it is, let me put this into perspective, six of these sugar packets, if they were each carfentanil, this would wipe out half a million people. This much carfentanil. Wow. It's frightening.
4: And the scariest thing to me, just hearing from you earlier what you can buy online.
3: Online, I, I'm, I was on mainstream sites, auction sites, not the dark web or anything like that. There are countless pill press machines for sale. These are illegal. You have to be registered with the DEA to have one of them, but they're still getting passed through the mail. Customs is trying to collect as many as they can, but they can't catch them all. And another thing that I found was actually chemical binders for different types of medication, like Xanax, so people can get these pill presses and make their own pills at home and cut fentanyl into them. And the craziest thing is that I, to put it in perspective, teens were abusing pharmaceutical drugs 10 years ago, but today, they could pop a Xanax, which isn't even an opioid, and it could be laced with fentanyl, and that could be their last dose.
4: One pill can kill you, even if you've used opiates in the past. Mm-hmm. Or one line. Uh, one line. Or just do know a line. don't
2: getting, because you think you're getting heroin, but really you're getting something that was made to tranquilize an elephant. Like, do you see the difference? There's a big, and they all look the same.
4: Before we go to break, Bob, I wanna go to you really quickly because I know that you were addicted for 12 years and you have gotten to a place where you're sober and, and you're looking at this entire epidemic from a very unique perspective. And you say your, your biggest concern are the teens.
7: Yeah, it's just, it's been going on for like five years and it's just frightening. I feel the same way you do. The car fentanyl, what you can add to that, even if a first responder gets there, Narcan's not gonna knock the fentanyl out of the person. They're gonna need two or three or four shots of Narcan to be resuscitated. So it's like a tsunami of death across America and we all have to work together. The judicial department, the chemical dependency clinicians, everybody, the
4: medical profession, to work together to battle this this plague. It's frightening. And, that, and that's what we're gonna do throughout the show today, and you mentioned Narcan, I'm glad you did. And there are a lot of communities, and we'll talk later, that don't have enough, even if it were to work. So, so much to talk about here. There's gonna be more on this discussion after the break.
0: Coming up, Dr. Nita and Judge Mary are at the epicenter of the United States of addiction with disturbing new statistics.
8: You have a kilo of fentanyl. That's a weapon of mass destruction.
0: That's coming up. We live in a nation addicted. And only one show is at ground zero to face the epidemic head on.
4: You've got to tell them the truth.
0: The doctors. If you're not scared, I can tell you I am. All this month, we're uncovering the epidemic that's hitting the heartland of America. The causes. I have struggled with overeating
9: my entire life. I can relate to a crack addict. The fallout.
0: My lowest weight has been 55 pounds.
9: The last time that I was weighed, came in at 520
1: pounds.
0: We're saving lives. I've got one chance left and this is it one addict at a time the role you're on right now this is where it is no see nope done I'm not I'm not playing that the doctors There has to be a way to heal the show you can't afford to miss the following program contains mature subject matter viewer discretion is advised
4: the opioid crisis is pummeling Ohio as well as many other states and one of the main culprits is the drug we've been talking about, black market fentanyl. In one month of 2017, 90% of drug overdose deaths in Ohio were caused by fentanyl, and 10% of deaths were from car Dr. Nita and Judge Mary went to Dayton, Ohio to find out what's being done to fight this deadly drug epidemic.
0: Yeah, they're, they're
10: Um, we get a lot of complaints that know you know, be stay in a um, you know in a It could be an overdose, it could be an OBI, unknown breathing
0: status.
8: The worst crisis I've seen in 30 years. I worked the street during the crack era, but they weren't dying at this rate.
11: What have you seen in the progression into the opioid epidemic?
8: We used to be a very vibrant manufacturing town. Our economy is very bad. A lot of people are self medicating with these substances. It's just sad to see what happened to our community.
11: How does
2: it impact the crime rate?
8: Of course, it's up. These people aren't working, so they're stealing, robberies. Carjackings, gang shooted out of our proceeds. Get out of
11: our neighborhood. We're dealing here.
8: This whole epidemic's just terrible for us. This year, we're double last year's deaths. Double, double. We could potentially lose 800 people in Montgomery County alone. We're losing entire cities to this problem. When does it stop? We're outpacing fatal car accidents right now. You see people, you know, gasping for air, they're turning blue, um, you know, they're literally dying in front of you. And you hit them with Narcan, which is a miracle drug, and it brings them right back to life. They wake up, they're upset that you ruined their high. I mean, there's times we had 26 overdoses in a day.
2: And it's also an ideal location when it comes to getting drugs in and out of the area.
8: Yeah, we have two major interstates, products coming straight from Mexico up 75 to Dayton, Ohio. And they can hit interstate 70 and go to New York and Chicago. It's the perfect location.
11: We had the opportunity to go with your deputy Kidwell. We saw his world, which is really amazing to me because as a judge, I would never have thought that the streets would be consumed with 80, 90 percent of overdoses and drug
10: addiction.. <laughs> We're on the west side of Dayton right now, which is known for drug sales. A lot of of the car-to-car transactions. A lot of these neighborhoods are incredible. And then the next street over, there's an entire street of abandoned homes. This is the hub. Even with the number of people that are dying from the drugs, it's not slowing down. But this street right here, I get a lot of complaints that there's cars that sit here and wait for drug sales. Those suspicious vehicle calls, that's what we need
8: you go to certain gas stations, they'll drive up and put two jail caps of heroin in your car and a business card. So they just want to get you hooked, because they're killing their customer base. As Americans, we are 5% of the world population, and we consume 80% of the opioids. We're a pill society. You have a headache, you take a pill. You have a backache, you take a pill. They claim 40% of the people that go in your house look in your medicine cabinet.
11: Realtors have that problem.
8: Get it out of there, because it's, it's part of the problem. we got to get away from the stigma that it's a 60-year-old junkie in an alley. These are people's kids, moms, these are dads.
11: Accountants, yes, lawyers, a, judges, everybody. It's right.
8: a disease. It's a disease.
11: I would have parents come into my courtroom, my daughter's violated, will you have her picked up? Do you ever get calls? My kid's on drugs, can you come and take them away without a crime having been committed?
8: all the time we have parents call crying you know my son's gonna die tomorrow because we can't get him in the treatment people in dayton ohio don't want heroin anymore they want fentanyl if you have a kilo of fentanyl that's a weapon of mass destruction you can kill thousands of people the next drug is car fentanyl we've had situations where they've put fentanyl into cocaine laced marijuana so that the key is just to get them addicted to fentanyl they're chasing the next best high we're being destroyed from the inside out
2: these drug addiction problems, they lead to overdoses, and overdoses can lead to death. And so what we're going to do next is we're going to go to the morgue.
11: That is the finality. That is the end result of an addiction when you don't get it under control. It's over. They're not here anymore. They're gone.
4: You know, I want to thank law enforcement for allowing the two of you to get a really inside look into what they're dealing with. What were your, your biggest observations from from spending time with law enforcement.
2: It just showed us, it reinforced the fact that it's it's impacting everyone. You know, you, you hear about how it's impacting users, and that's true, you know, drug overdose deaths increased nearly 100% in Montgomery County between 2000 and 2015. And users are doing things like having Narcan party. So basically a bunch of users users get together and they designate one sober person and that sober person is responsible for administering Narcan if If anyone overdoses. Now I can't, we won't even go into how bad that plan is, like how many things can go
4: wrong. Russian Roulette party. Exactly,
2: and you know it's also impacting other people too because you know once they leave those parties they can leave with a needle in their arm and they drive and they kill innocent people.
11: Well, so, I mean, that but, happens. But it also was the issue that you may not have enough Narcan with you. We learned that at one yeah. time, they administered 42 doses on one person.
0: And Narcan is only part of the equation. We know that when you go, you stop breathing. You're you're not uh, moving uh, oxygen like you're supposed to. You have to know how to, to maintain an it's airway. It's a very bad to, you know,
2: plan.
4: But let, let one of the comments that struck me was the officer said, they'll be out in the street and potentially administer Narcan and then the user's upset that you took them away from their their high, AKA, trip to death.
11: We don't want treatment, they just walk away. Thank
4: you! I'm curious, Mary, from your perspective, where are things in a place like Montgomery County in terms of the judges and how they're dealing with this? Well,
11: I learned that they do have drug courts, but I also learned through conversation that not all of the judges are on board. I worked with the judge who didn't believe in the drug courts, didn't believe in you know the, the concept of addiction till her daughter became addicted. And now she is the leader in my county of one of the greatest drug courts that Michigan has.
2: Um, but it shouldn't take that.
11: What? No, it shouldn't take it's, it's
2: being it's personally impacted before you're on board to well, help others. And I wanna be clear, they're spending money, they're spending billions and billions and billions, billions of dollars on this and still we have a shortage of resources in areas like this.
4: Anyone who is arrogant enough to feel like they are above this and this is something that happens to other people, this would never happen to me or any of my friends or any of my family members, that's arrogance. And it bums me out that there are people in the judicial system or any, anyone dealing with this that would say, oh, this is just a moral flaw. Because the truth is, it could take one dose to kill you, but could also just take one prescription to get you addicted. So we are all in this together, we'll be right back.
0: Coming up, a trip to the morgue offers a grim reminder of the devastation.
1: This is our third overdose for the day, and it's mid-afternoon, just arriving from the scene.
0: That's coming up. Coming tomorrow. It's the Netflix movie creating massive controversy. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What about the other side? Could meat be killing you? You
5: equated
3: red meat to tobacco, and one egg equals five cigarettes.
0: Is it scare tactics?
4: You've got to tell them the truth. Seriously, guys, stop for one second. That is not science. That's a lie, Travis. No, I disagree with
0: you. The campus debate that holds your health in the balance. Then bite your nails. You may think twice after this. And then on Monday, in a doctor's exclusive, as a Addiction grips our nation. I haven't found a drug yet that I don't like. In a must-see intervention, the doctors step in to save a couple on the brink of death. Then, parents locked in a fight over vaccinations while the mother was thrown in jail. That's Monday.
4: Today, we're taking you to ground zero of the opioid epidemic. Eleven people in Ohio died each day of an opioid-related drug overdose in 2016. Together, Dr. Nita and Judge Mary visited the Montgomery County morgue for a sobering look at the realities of addiction.
10: I arrested a girl for drug abuse instruments, used syringes, and the dad called and thanked me for taking her to jail because he's worried about her dying all the time.
1: This is our third overdose for the day, and it's mid-afternoon. this case, just arriving from the scene.
2: And this is a typical day for
1: you. They already know there's two more coming.
11: This is it, finality.
1: We fill up, and there's only 42 spaces here. So usually, in about 24 48 hours, I can be completely full.
11: You have
2: bodies stacked from the floor to the ceiling. How do you do that every day emotionally?
1: That aspect of it is overwhelming, but it's not being here. It's going to the family's house and having to tell them that their loved one passed away, the hope that was lost.
2: You mentioned you're typically full. What does that mean as far as the grieving process?
1: We used to bring people in and store remains for the families as they chose a funeral home. We no longer allow that. But what's also tragic is we've gone from four to six weeks to up to 10 weeks or more to get a case out of death certificates. People used to hide this. No one talked about addiction. No one talked about it, the drug use. We, we don't hide it. it no more. We, we don't hide can't it hide it. We can't, can't hide it anymore. It's not for shock, it's for education. It's, Wake it's,
11: up, it's, open up your eyes, people. This is what we see.
1: Communities need help. I've never let Interviews happen in morgue space. I've never let the cooler be filmed. This is a mass fatality event that's not being recognized for what it is.
2: What's the age of your youngest?
1: The youngest OD is 13 months. It's an accidental exposure. The 13-month-old was carfentanil, so it could have been just a touch and then licked their fingers. Just a through. touch.
2: When you're going to an overdose call, what's going through your mind?
1: Well, Number one is gonna be our safety.
10: I don't get out of the car without a pair of gloves on. The fentanyl, the carfentanyl, can't be absorbed into your skin through the, the nitrile gloves. And obviously, breathing it or touching it is going to cause you to overdose. And then the number two thing is the scene security. I've been to overdoses where there's uncapped needles all over the room. And obviously, we look for signs of life. You know, we start to give them the Narcan. If that doesn't work, we wait another three to five minutes to give them some more Narcan. A big debate that you hear three strikes and you're out kind of thing with an overdose. To me, we don't play God. If we can save somebody's life, we save their life.
1: A lot of people don't realize about a coroner's job is we're really taking care of the living. You hear we speak for the dead. In the second floor, it's our chemistry department for the crime laboratory. Behind you, there's a naloxone kit, the antidote to opioids. We've had some close calls where we found little baggies of powder, and one had probably a gram, which turned out to be all carfentanil. If that breaks, that could take out people in the room.
10: Harrison three I'll be out on cheer. chair. Was it an overdose? Yeah. Is she dead? Yes. Yeah, she's dead.
2: You're talking about mothers and fathers burying their sons and daughters. I can't even imagine the pain these families feel. You
11: feel the despair. You're in the coldness of the room where the bodies are stored and you're thinking, My god, these people died, senseless deaths.
4: to this I think is very impactful. Was this trip to the morgue the most impactful part of your experience?
2: Definitely. You know, you're thinking to yourself, it shouldn't, no one's story should end like this. And this addiction, it doesn't care about race, it doesn't care about socioeconomic status. And I think a lot of people say, oh, this is just something for underprivileged people in the inner city. But I would encourage those people to wake up, because today we're talking about Dayton, Ohio, but tomorrow we could be in your state or your city, so I would say— learn from what has happened there, it's going to spread to other populations. Every, everyone we spoke to said it's going to get worse before it gets better. And I want to make sure that the same resources are available for everyone because everyone deserves <laughs> help and hope, everybody, and we have to do something.
4: And speaking of that, all of this is very sobering, but the reality is, With this epidemic, now people are trying to figure out how do we get people sober? What are the recovery efforts in place? We're gonna start covering that on the other side of the break.
0: Coming up, Judge Mary opens up about her own personal demons.
8: This is it.
11: Maybe you should say, you gotta stop drinking, Mary, because it's gonna kill you.
0: That's coming up.
4: It's hard to put a face on opioid addiction. It could be your neighbor, co-worker, or maybe your best friend. Dr. Nita and Judge Mary visited with a group of people who are trying to break those chains of addiction.
2: Hi everybody, my name is Dr. Nita. I've had a lot of interactions with people who have been impacted by different addictions.
11: My name's Mary Shanalski, and I sat as a presiding drug court judge. I'm an
9: alcoholic. I started off with pain medication, then you move on to heroin, it's cheaper, it's readily available, and then it was fentanyl. I thought I, I got this, I'm functioning, but no, that, that's that's the one of the lies that that an addict lives. I started using when I was a teenager. My drug of choice is Klonopins. I just couldn't stop, it just had a hold of me. I started using when I was 31. Man
11: and an ex-boyfriend of mine, he had uh, started putting the heroin in my cocaine without me knowing it to get me addicted to it. He passed away in February of a drug overdose.
0: I've been around drugs my whole life. Um, my mother used pills heavily. I started selling drugs. I had a heart attack, so the doctor started giving me pain pills. And then all of a sudden, the 120 they give me for the month is not enough. So I tried the heroin.
4: My story started uh, back in 2010. I got hurt on the job.
8: Uh, went into the doctor and
4: the doctors were feeding me so many pain pills every day you know enough that would kill a normal person the first time i smashed up a pill it was over with i, I became a
0: full blown pill addict
11: what does heroin make you feel like
0: i had to have it like I said just to function it made me feel normal it's not a problem unless you
9: don't have money to do it there's not a choice you will lay in the bed miserable and be dope sick, or you're gonna use.
0: I'm sure my daughter knew. Um, I know my mother knew, but she was, we was using together. I gave my mom a little bit of heroin. She tried it, so every day we're out mother and son stealing, and my mother actually overdosed off something I gave her. I've had a lot of
10: heroin addicts tell me they're not suicidal, but they don't care if they die. You know, it's all about getting five more dollars to go get another cap of heroin. That's a sad That's way to That's total desperation. You don't want to die, but if you do, you don't care.
2: That's a cry for help. It is. How many funerals
9: have you been to? My brother um, overdosed on January 30th, this 30th of this year.
11: I've had five significant people die um, in my life from heroin overdoses.
1: I've lost quite a few good friends.
9: I've been to dozens of funerals. And my brother passed away in 2013 of a heroin overdose. I remember when my brother first told me that he did heroin and I smacked him across the face. He began using heroin because it was cheaper. I was in a car wreck and then got put on pain pills and then it ex- escalated to heroin. And I lost custody of my son to my mom. But my son is uh, now 21. This time last year he told me I was a worthless piece of <laughs> and uh, I never amount to nothing in his eyes. And that was the biggest punch in the gut that I ever had. And I would do anything for my kids. My brother struggled in and out of treatment centers. He was stealing from my mom and I. He went to jail for six months. And when he got out of jail, he was only out for 12 days and he um, overdosed and died.
4: Mary needed to dug a little deeper to find out how these people are trying to turn their lives around.
2: For people struggling with addiction, can you give them
9: a piece of advice? The last 10 months has been the most difficult. I had 90 days clean and my brother overdosed on fentanyl. I had six months clean and I lost my father. And then seven weeks after that, I lost my sister. And, um... I just didn't pick up. I helped open up a recovery clubhouse in Greene County called The Hope Spot. I sponsor women. I'm very involved in the recovery community. Thank That's you. amazing. Thank You're you. amazing. Do Thanks. you understand
2: how amazing you are? That's God. That's, that is God.
7: Breaking point. I was out in the backyard, but I swore I was in a factory talking to the guy that worked next to me. Because I was so high. My wife said he'd taken one too many pain pills. Me and our son are gone. And what made her break down was she could have come home and found me dead.
11: That's a great story about love. The love that she has for you and the love that you have for her because you decided to turn it
9: around. My mom has not left me since day one. She has not left my side. My mom started showing up there at the drug houses. Every day, getting me bawling and crying, honking, screaming, yelling, dragging me to the car. That's when I hit rock bottom.
11: But you were ready. I I was ready at that time. You were all ready. And you have to make that commitment.
2: You are sitting here, and you're currently successful. I want to go down the line, and I want you to tell me how many times you relapsed.
9: I relapsed in 2016 in August.
11: So just once for you. I was in five other treatment programs before I came to Cornerstone. I nearly killed my mother in a car accident drunk driving um, and it took me another 12 years to realize that it's time to stop.
0: It's been over two and a half years ago now I live a normal life. I relapsed four times and once I came to Cornerstone I I didn't, didn't look back.
11: The
2: therapy at Cornerstone has been essential. I don't know if you know about the profound impact that you're having by having the strength and the courage to come and share your story.
11: My name is Wendy Jackson. I'm the community outreach manager for the Cornerstone Project, and I'm really going to try not to cry. But this has been a bad week for me as far as deaths and people that have overdosed. But to see how successful you guys are and how you're doing so well at life, and all to watch, to hear your struggles that you fought through—it's individuals like you that kick this addiction's ass, that inspire me to make me get up every day and go do what I do. And I am so proud of you. So, so, so proud of you.
4: For you and Cornerstone, I would be dead.
2: The road to recovery is not easy, but there's a quote and it says, sometimes you have to fight a battle more than once to win it. And if that's the case, I don't care if they have to fight their battle one time, five times, ten times. I'm on their team. It's an emotional
11: roller coaster, this addiction. Something that we just can't get a grip on to stop and control. And ultimately, there's death. And ultimately, there's the happiness of, I've been clean. And what a feeling that is from a personal perspective. To know that we're clean, that we, we haven't done alcohol, we haven't done drugs, it's such a high. It's the greatest tie you can ever experience.
4: Thank you. The CDC estimates prescription opioid misuse in the U.S. costs $78.5 billion
0: every year. More on this after the break. Coming up, Dr. Nita and Judge Mary are boots on the ground in the fight against addiction. That's coming up.
4: We've taken you on a journey from the disturbing statistics surrounding the opioid epidemic to the real-life despair that it's been causing. But what you haven't seen is how communities are rallying together to help addicts reclaim their lives. Dr. Anita and Judge Mary put their boots on the ground for a first-hand look at these recovery efforts.
2: You put on your uniform, you go on Monday, two people overdose. You go on Tuesday, three people overdose. Every day it's the same thing. Do you ever find that some of your officers just say, they feel like I'm not making a difference.
8: Yeah, there are some police departments that are going through fatigue, but we're gonna to try to save people. Got you. I swore to protect and serve, and that's what I'm gonna do.
6: Hi, I am the Deputy Bowling with the Sheriff's Office. I'm here part of the Montgomery County Drug Free Coalition. We're here uh, visiting a neighborhood that's been hit with the heroin overdoses and epidemic that we have here in Montgomery County. Yes. We're just trying to spread information about that and advise mm-hmm. people of ways to get help. If they know somebody or they need help themselves.
2: I'm
11: Hello. Judge Mary. I'm Barbara.
2: Hi. Hi, I'm Dr. Nita. Do you know anybody who has been
11: impacted by this opioid crisis? Yes, my entire family. My fiance's um, cousin—he had just—he just passed away from it a couple months ago. A few years ago, my cousin overdosed on it. I'm so sorry. And it's—it's not—it's not something that you want anybody's family to go through. What are you doing about your safety? I. Try to stay away from it. Keep my kids away from it. My kids don't go places without me very often. You felt the sadness in her heart because her kids were locked into her home. It's no way to live. Well, we have a packet of resources for you. Someone in your family, your friends, and I'm hoping that you'll use them. Okay. Right, thank you so much. You take thank care. You. Be safe. Thank you. Too. Keep those kids safe. <laughs> got a gentleman
6: who's taking the info, and we're going to hope that he passes it on. Afternoon. Deputy Bloom with the Sheriff's Office here as part of the Montgomery County Drug Free Coalition.
11: How's it impacted your family?
7: My son's been on it for
6: about
7: four years now. But you got these people out here. He said you want to test her.
2: Does that happen a lot, where people just walk yeah. up to you trying to give you drugs in general? Yeah.
0: And that hurts the community a lot. This community, it's lower. I mean, uh, it's like people don't really care.
2: And that's not right. No community is technically lower. I don't care how much money you have. So I I know what you're saying, but I don't even like that. We're all equal.
11: Your neighbor down the street said she won't even let her kids go anywhere else.
7: Four of my grandchildren lived here.
10: There'd be needles up and down the street. I'm a community-oriented police deputy. Unfortunately, with the complaints that we hear, we don't get a lot of calls when the activity is going on because um, they're afraid. Exactly, they don't want to call dispatch. They don't. They think they have to give their name, and they don't. They can be anonymous.
2: Do you feel like a lot of people are afraid to report they it because are. they're afraid of what the drug dealers will do to them?
7: Yep, nobody wants to get involved.
2: Well, and that's why the cycle just continues. Yep. Hey, yes. Joe, say thank you to that guy, he's the All dude right, that
7: leads the been?
0: troops. This neighborhood could come back if everybody would stick together,
7: pick up that phone and say, there's a drug deal being done. Here's a license plate of a
0: dope dealer. But you can't
8: blame these guys. We gotta clean this up. It's getting
0: worse. What do you see? But in my eyes, I'm fortunate. I only have one kid that's on the double. And he's off. What well, about all these other people?
2: We actually have some resources here for you. That's why we're here.
6: If somebody does need assistance and wants it today, there's a paper in there, they can go down the cornerstone, they turn it in, they get immediate assistance today.
7: You, right. thank thank you keep up so much.
2: The great work. Nice meeting you guys. Me cool. too. Thanks, thank you. I think it's really easy to say, okay, well, that's not my state, that's not my city, it's not my problem. We have to pull together. These people, they need our help. It's a disease. We can't say, oh, I don't see why they can't just stop.
4: Did you get the sense that these recovery efforts are making an impact?
11: Yeah, I did. Absolutely, Absolutely. everybody's involved, Um, and it's a proactive thing. Uh, People are out on the street. You know, it's time really for our bureaucrats to stop taking their fancy pictures with their committees that they put together, saying we've got a committee now we're going to combat it. By the time they took the darn picture, four people died.
0: Yeah.
6: You
11: know, (laughs) I I don't. I don't
4: want to see their picture.
0: Stick around. Coming up, the changing face of addiction and addicts.
4: You think of soccer moms, you think of them dropping kids off at soccer. You don't think of them hanging out, abusing drugs.
0: That's next. We're back
4: talking about the opioid epidemic in America. What are your thoughts on judges mandating treatment?
11: First of all, Vivitrol, I found out today, it costs 1500 to $1,800 a dose. And you need one shot per every 28 days or so. So there's a cost issue. So if everybody thinks that this is the drug, that's the cure-all, there's a, a cost issue. But over and above that, you need more. You know, when you're a diabetic, you use your insulin, but you also need to control your diet. As an addict, you know, you can take your Vivitrol or you can be on Suboxone or whatever else they're using to help you manage, but you need to get to the bottom of why you're, you're doing that behavior. What's causing you to run to escape by using drugs? And,
4: and I wanna get into this discussion in a later show because mm-hmm. we don't have time today. Bob, it always worries me. And this is, you're taking someone who's been an addict or is an addict, and you're treating it with another pill. Is that, is that something that you're on board with? Or I've evolved. With the death
7: and, and what's happening in America, I've opened my mind up to all solutions. Suboxone, naltrexone implants, Vivitrol, whatever will help different populations. As a bridge? Yeah, as a bridge to sobriety. But you know, change comes from hope and perseverance. And we've talked a lot about hope. We just need to be perseverant now.
4: Well, there's nothing about this that's easy, and I think anyone in our audience, anyone watching at home,
0: knows that's the case. We'll be right back. Coming up, a doctor's prescription to help the addict in your life. That's coming up.
4: We are celebrating season 10 of The Doctors all year long. I sure?
7: And if you're ready to win big, join us in our studio audience. You could be part of our massive
4: prize giveaway. So Woo! log on to our website at thedoctorstv.com or call us at area code 323-THE-DOCS. That's 323-THE-DOCS. We will see you soon. Anyone who's watched this hour of television knows the opioid epidemic is undeniably all around us. Consider that one in four people either struggle with addiction themselves or know someone who is hooked on opioids. Our audience today represents this very statistic. Can everyone personally affected by the opioid drug crisis please stand up for me? Look, this isn't going anywhere tomorrow, but there is one thing you can do right now to fight against the opioid crisis and that deals with your unused prescription pills. So how do you dispose of these pills safely? One of the things you shouldn't do is flush them down the toilet. This can contaminate our land as well as water supply. So if you can, take unused prescriptions to a DEA drop-off event in your area. You can also take unused pills to your local sheriff or police station and drop them off in mailboxes outside of any of them, anytime. Deactivation pouches are something more and more communities are offering. My hope is that someday you go to your pharmacy, you pick up your prescription, they give you a deactivation bag. Hey, when you have unused pills, put them in here. And the last thing I would say is, you can't hide from this, I wanna thank Montgomery County and law enforcement for opening your doors to us to highlight because it's this isn't a thing of shame Where we want to hide it we want to highlight it so we can save people from dying If you missed anything on today's show see us at the doctorstv.com. We'll see you next time